When we gather together in worship, we gather in the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. We seek to live in that love, a humble, sacrificial, lay down our lives, love our enemies sort of love. And so today, on this first Sunday, after a polarizing election, for those of you joining us online from other parts of the world, in the U.S., we've had a week of a polarizing election. (laughs) On this week, I'd like to invite you to join me in reading this paraphrase of a famous uh, chapter on love in 1 Corinthians 13. So if it would be meaningful to you, I invite you to say these words from Scripture about love and the nature of love along with me if you'd like. If I speak in the rhetoric of politicians or the eloquence of scholars, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have profound insight and understand policies and ballot issues, and if I have a persuasive and clear sales pitch so as to sway the vote, but have not love, I am nothing. If I participate in various forms of philanthropy and work till I die for reform, but have not love, I gain nothing. No matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, or how I vote, I'm bankrupt without love. Love is patient and kind to those across the political aisle. Love is not arrogant or rude before or after an election. It does not boast in victory, nor does it complain or retaliate in defeat. Love doesn't strut with a swollen head or force its political views on others. It does not insist my way or the highway, but it seeks to understand those in another camp. It is not irritable, resentful, degrading, or dehumanizing in person, online, or in thought. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears with broken people and broken systems because it ultimately trusts God always. Love always looks for the best in people and parties. No matter the outcome, love never looks back, but keeps pressing on to the end. Amen. Platt Park Church is now 11 years old. Happy birthday, friends! 11 years old. You know, for the first 10 years of this church, I very rarely departed from the preaching plan for the year, and then came year 11, and we have hardly stuck to the preaching plan this entire year. Uh, The graphics team that makes our lovely graphics each round has, like everyone else, learned to pivot (laughs) and change course many times this year. Uh, Originally, I had planned a series for this month, the, the month of November, that we were going to call Decision Making 101. But then, like, I don't know, a month or six, couple, probably two months ago, I asked the staff in a staff meeting, so November, what are you, you, know, what are you guys thinking? Should we stick with the Decision Making 101 series? And the staff was like, ah, no. 
I, they're like, I think we should do a series on hope. And um, so, you know, decided to change again, and um, we're doing this series on hope. So please forward any sermon criticisms to the rest of the staff team. <laughs> but our scripture passage for this month in this series we're calling One Hope is the farewell discourse. It's this section of scripture in John chapter uh, Gospel of John chapters 14 to 17, where Jesus is giving his final words to his disciples before he, uh, before he, his crucifixion. And before Jesus died, he had one simple prayer that we would all be one as the triune God is one. That we would all be one as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. This was Jesus' hope, Jesus' prayer, his words in the final discourse. So I want to read this section of the, the farewell discourse to you now. I'm, these are the words of Jesus. I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me. This includes us. Because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them, so they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way you've loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am so they can see my glory, the splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there ever was a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you. And these disciples know that you sent me on this mission. I have made your very being known to them, who you are and what you do, and continue to make it known so that your love for me might be in them exactly as I am in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're talking about this hope, this one hope that was Jesus' final prayer for his followers. Hope is a big word. Hope is a, it's a huge word. Hope is a fraught word. Often when we speak of hope, we're talking about basically holding out for my desired results. Very often when we talk about hope in church, we're talking about holding out for my desired results, believing that God is going to get them for me. Hope is a big word, and it is a fraught word. But the kind of hope Jesus spoke about in the farewell discourse is not dependent on circumstances. It isn't dependent on my desired results coming to fruition. It is a hope 
that is based on something that cannot be taken away. It is a hope that is based on the eternal current of God's love, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who existed in perfect harmony and unity and oneness before the world began. You know, the next couple of months, they're likely to be rough. We are in the middle of a pandemic. We are headed into winter. There is heightened anxiety in our world. Polarization is at like a fevered pitch. It's unlikely to get better anytime soon. A recent study found that uh, the voters in this most recent election, 40% of voters believe that the other side is not just misguided, but evil. 40% of voters believe that the other side is not just misguided, but evil. We've become far too comfortable with the dehumanization of our political and ideological opposites. And yeah, the stakes are really high. And the stakes feel really high, but we must not allow our passion to overcome our common dignity. Remember Jesus said, love your enemies. That includes personal enemies, professional, and political. Love your enemies. When Jesus said that, it wasn't like just a religious platitude, a nice sentimental idea. It is actually a central ethic for a better world. Jesus is saying this is like a central ethic for a better world. And so through the holidays and beyond, we are going to need to engage in the kind of hope that Jesus spoke about. Not a hope based in my desired results, but a hope that cannot be taken away. When the Bible speaks of hope, it is really about finding a way to live faithfully in whatever set of circumstances you find yourselves in. So like half of our country right now is in a set of circumstances they're excited about and another half not so excited about. But when you're talking about living faithfully, when the scriptures talk about hope, it isn't about circumstantial, I got my way. When the Bible speaks about hope, it's about finding a way to live faithfully within present circumstances, whatever they may be. It's about finding a way to respond within the given set of things. Like the Bible is just chock full with all these stories of people whose scripture says these were faithful people who never got what they hoped for. In Hebrews 11, there's that famous chapter where all these people of faith, and at the end, after documenting their lives and what they went through, it says this, all of these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what was promised. None of them saw what they were hoping for. Faith-filled people who never received their hopes. So when the Bible talks about hope, it's mainly about finding a way to live faithfully within present circumstances, whatever they may be. And we are, of course, we are free to pray for miracles 
But I have found that the greater miracle is waking up each and every day and saying, you know, it looks like this is the way it is today. And finding a way right there to live my utmost for his highest in this set of circumstances, whatever they are. And friends, if you do that, you know the daily miracle you're living in. Living faithfully in whatever set of circumstances you find yourselves in. Many of the things that, you know, throughout our lives we think need to change, either in our lives or in our world, they may need to change, but they don't need to change for you to live faithfully with God. And so you roll up your sleeves and you work for change. And you do it with a hope that is not dependent on anything in this world, but is rooted in the unchanging reality of God's kingdom. That is having Christian hope. You know, there have been a few words that have just become like new words in 2020. I did not find myself saying them very often prior to this year, and now I find myself hearing them and saying them a whole lot. You probably could make your own word, you know, list of these things, but like pivot, Zoom, woke, social distancing, self-isolation, cute mask. <laughs> And another word that I hear a lot and have found myself saying a lot is unprecedented. Right? These are unprecedented times. We seem to keep saying that we're living in unprecedented times. But really, it's not. Like, when you think about it, I mean, you, you zoom the camera out far enough, World War I and the Spanish flu erupting at the same time, World War II and the Holocaust, it seems the world is just doing what the world does. Beautiful things happen. And terrible things happen. Do not be afraid. God is with you. And in the beautiful times, you celebrate the gift. And in the chaotic times, it is an opportunity to remember that we are not invincible. That we are not God. That is Christian hope. The world is just doing what the world does. And followers of Christ have this wonderful opportunity to remember together our hope is not and has never been in a political party or candidate. Our hope is not in a vaccine. It is not in a stock market or a bank account. Our hope is not in a return to life as normal. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That is not under threat. That is not being canceled. We live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God, and that kingdom is not in trouble. And the leader of that kingdom is Jesus. And he is not up for a vote. Jesus' as ruler of the kingdom of God is not subject to a vote. So I want to get just really practical right now. Just for the next few months, um, we need to engage our practices. Most of us do not, like, rise to the occasion when the world is chaotic, which it has been for some time. We don't usually rise to the occasion. We usually kind of, like, default to our practices, default to our training, 
And so I want to ask you to engage your practices right now. Practices of prayer and meditation and scripture and worship. Don't miss worship right now. You can join online. You can join from wherever you are. And I know I might be a little bit biased, but I think we all need church right now. <laughs> like We need worship. We need prayer. We need each other. And I know it is not the same because there is something so special about singing with strangers. There is something so special about coming to the table of communion with people that, alongside people, I might not otherwise be in relationship with. There is something so special about the community that is formed in houses of faith. And I know it's not the same right now. But we do not go to church. We are the church. And the practices of church have not been canceled. We can still practice worship and prayer and scripture and community. We can still love one another and serve one another and show up to one another, even in a time of social distancing. So engage your practices right now. If you have someone in your house to hug, make it a daily habit to hug them for 30 seconds, and you can count. Because you know what? A 30-second hug, it actually rewires your brain. And if you don't have someone in your house to hug, would you pick up the phone? Don't text, don't email. Pick up the phone. We need to hear the sound of each other's voices right now. In a world that has just like is in trauma, <laughs> Lots of dehumanization happening. We need one another. We need the sound of each other's voices. And if there's someone in your house, hug them for a solid 30 seconds. Pick up the phone. Ask yourself, regarding your practices, ask yourself, what are my practices for emotional resilience right now? What are you doing to grow your emotional resiliencies? What have you done in the past? What can you do right now? What are your practices for spiritual grounding, for staying connected to the strong and unshakable kingdom of God that is not in trouble? What are your practices for differentiation? You know what differentiation is? Essentially, that is a mark. It is like a hallmark of maturity. Differentiation says... I can be me, and you can be you, and we can be different and still be close and connected. You don't have to become like me for us to be close and connected. I can be me. You can be you. We can be close and connected despite our differences. That's differentiation. What are you doing to grow your maturity in being a healthy differentiated person on this planet what are your practices for embodiment like you are not just a soul you are not just a spirit you live in a body and that body has real needs god gave you that body god loves your body i um i'm the kind of person who lives in my head a lot like i'm the kind of person who can kind of just forget i have a body and so over the last couple of years, I have started this 
silly little practice that is, you know, like you wake up in the morning, you're kind of dehydrated, your body's mostly made of water. And so I just have this practice, like every morning I wake up, I go to the kitchen and I pour myself a huge glass of wine. I mean, water, water. <laughs> I pour myself a huge glass of water. <laughs> But I'm just like drinking my water every morning, and I am reminding myself, you have a body. You're not just in your head. Before you check your email and the news and get on with work and get the kids off to school, you are a body that has needs. So what are your practices for embodiment and for humble curiosity? There are so many opportunities right now to be curious. And I'm not talking about the sort of questions that have an agenda to them. <laughs> I'm talking about the true, humble curiosity. It says, help me understand what it's like to be you. Because I don't know what it's like to be you. I've never been you. So what might you be doing to develop practices, to grow in your practices around humble curiosity? As we close, I want to just invite you to say these words of Jesus from the farewell discourse out loud together with me. And if it would be meaningful to you, maybe one of your spiritual practices could be this month to memorize these words. To let these words be maybe words that you just memorize. And as you're walking or you're feeling your anxiety rising or you're reading something that's happening in the news or talking with someone and getting riled up, Maybe these words could be words you return to. Let's say these together as we close. The words of Jesus from John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. May the peace of Christ be yours and may you extend that peace to another. Amen.